0: Welcome to Snakes and Otters, a pointless discussion of eternal questions. Get ready, we're about to live in your head, rent-free. Welcome to Episode 80. I am Martin. I'm Robert. And I'm Francis. So, uh, this episode we are calling The New American Century. And what I want to explore, and the guys are letting me uh, kick this one out for us, Um, but I want to explore the emergence of America on the world stage in the second half of the 19th century and as that then rolls over into the 20th
1: century. So the new American century we're talking about is not the 21st. It would it's be the, the 20th. 20th. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. now we're
2: 20 years into the... <laughs> well, yeah, the whole, yeah, people are our age, the, the, concept, the phrase turn of the century means two things. And uh, depending right. on what century yes. you're talking about. Yes.
1: Not that we are that old. We didn't see the... 19th into the 20th it's No. Just <laughs> so but this is a this is a
0: topic that uh, I've been reading about some and over the last few years and in particular there's there's two books about this that, are, that really uh, have, have impressed me um, the first one is John Taliaferro's all the great prizes about the life of John Hay uh, he, John Hay is a big-time American statesman. And the second book is Robert W. Mary's President McKinley, Architect of the American Century. So you can see how those kind of play together. And, of course, I think all three of us have read Edmund Morris' uh, Theodore Roosevelt trilogy. Yeah. So that's that's a big My part shelf. of this as well. Yeah,
2: yeah. It's, it's still, still the standard. Uh. And then this also... Serves a bit as a... Oh, yeah. This is kind of a coda to the, the Civil War uh, series that we did this past summer. You know, those four episodes we talked about 1863. One of my complaints about biographies in general, but oftentimes history books, is you, you reach a certain level and you don't say what happened after. I was talking to the guys in the show prep um, uh, that uh, Peter Ackroyd did a wonderful, kind of the standard biography these days of Thomas More... That I really loved, but it cringes because it really ends with his death. But he was such an enlightened and such a lightning rod of the time, His the repercussions of that took place for years after. None of that was covered. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, that's a disservice. Legacy is important. Legacy is yeah. absolutely important. And the Civil War had such immense legacy. We, it deserves an episode. For us right. to and this kind of is that it's not exclusively that it pays it a little bit further forward than that it's it's intended to bridge between the Civil War and World War One.
1: You know, so I if, think you could make an excellent argument. You know, you're talking about a code of the Civil War legacy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just the you know creating a way to, to systemically uh, 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 build racism into the South, which granted, is a good deal of that. But one of the the larger legacies. Uh, positive legacies, you could say, depending on your point of view, I guess, is without the Civil War, the rest of the century for for America does not go the same way because everything that came out of the Civil War directly ties into building the U.S. into the power that it becomes. Yes, exactly. Yeah,
2: that's correct. Yeah, that's the the powder keg, the explosion, if you were, that provided the energy for where we ended up. And to be honest, it's not all bad. And I think that's kind of the premise that you're talking about right, here, right, right Mark? Because we,
0: we tend to think of this era, and again, you, when you start thinking through the events, the death of Lincoln is a disaster for the country. Right. He's the guy that can stitch the country back together.
1: Oddly, it's a disaster for the South,
0: too.
2: Yes, exactly. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, it's the exactly. irony is not lost in history. The John Wilkes Booth, I mean, I, I forget who it was that said it, you know, he has killed the South's only real hope.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, because now the, the the hard feelings, the the punishment of the South is really going to be entrenched. Maybe been Stanton,
2: I may be wrong on that. Yeah,
0: um, and so you know Andrew Johnson's basically a, a, a placeholder, a guy sitting in a chair. With he's a no, lame duck for almost entire. You are, entire so you term. are both with, so kind.
2: I was wanting you all to just I really, really I mean, lay some lay some smack on the guy.
0: Well, it, it, his idea of
1: Reconstruction is okay.
0: Come on, you're back in.
2: You know, it's... No Politically, way. that
1: was never going to happen that way. Lincoln was the only one that had a shot at coming even close to that. Right. Because
0: Lincoln would have been willing to discuss and collaborate and bring Congress in, work with Grant, work with Sherman, figure out a way to do a military occupation of the South that then begins to stitch the country together. You know, and we've talked about Grant. we talked about, you know, he's the guy that tries to suppress the Klan, He's the guy that's really trying to make sure that the verdict of the Civil War is not overturned in the South through domestic terrorism. And then, so what's going on then, what what moves on, is stitching the country back together becomes this engine of, of growth for the most part. The railroads, we, right. you know, we show prepped about... That takes place during this time. Right, the railroads are the
1: engine of growth. Right, right and without the railroads you have two you have two countries oh yeah. you have the very populated dense for the time east that is becoming very industrialized and then you have the great plains and the west and you know you're talking about something that took weeks to months depending on the time of year you went to oh get yeah from one side of the country to the other st louis to california is a six-month journey by wagon right <clears throat> so so yeah it, it, it is not something it, it, it is no small thing to say that the railroads are a game changer. They were a game changer in the East during the war, because it was the first time you really yeah. saw troops being moved like yeah, that. Right. Now you're moving not just people, you're moving goods back and forth. Yeah. I mean you're pumping blood to the west you through are. the
0: railroads because it's your artery system. Yeah,
1: because you know a lot of that there's not a whole lot that you can do. You can you can grow food in the middle in the plains. Then once you get past the mountains, which are nearly impassable, right, then you've got the fertile land of California and so on. But without a way to connect those, it's yeah, it really is. Yeah, different. They,
2: they, then you would have had a, a different regional tendencies. Yeah. yes, yeah. Uh, yeah, to each so, other or so tensions the, yeah, actually. Yeah, they're, they're, you
0: know the railroads are 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 the growth. They're they're the blood pumping through the continent. But you know when we when we look at this era, our our, our thoughts of this era are colored by well we love Western movies so it's all about the Old West, it's all about gunfights and. All that stuff. And we talked a little bit about this in show prep. You know, a lot of that stuff is aftermath of the civil oh, war. Oh, yeah. It's, it's PTSD. Exactly. Yeah. In fact, it's
2: ex- almost exclusively that. Because you, you, you've you got, you know, how many th- hundreds of thousands of men under arms taught to do something that humans are capable of, but were not created for. This terrible, horrible, horrific violence against each other. And then when you're finished, you don't need them anymore. You toss them, okay, we'll go home. Well, that doesn't always work. <laughs> a, sometimes home's not there uh, in many respects. Disease
0: swept disease through many swept of the major cities, north and south. That's and correct. whole families are
2: gone. Veterans go home to nothing. Right. And so many of these people, I mean, they have nothing to do. So the West became a convenient dumping ground for them to head head west. I mean, Doc is a great example from Georgia, uh, who actually gets in trouble and ends up having to go west. Of course, he had tuberculosis and other things like that, too. Uh, there, tons of these things happen. In fact, the gunfight at the O.K. Corral, which is kind of like those watershed <laughs> moments in the O.S., yeah. if you want to talk about an exemplar, that's the moment. Yeah. It's the Union North in the in the people of the Earps versus the Southern South in the people of the Clantons and the Cowboys. And they clashed yeah. spectacularly. That, that
0: doesn't come out in really any of the films, but the story of Tombstone is a story of Union versus Confederate That's right. political power grasping to control all over Arizona. again in a
2: wilderness yeah. that is where it's up for grabs. It's up, power is yeah. up for grabs because
0: the. The Earps are from Iowa. They're Union veterans. Yeah. The Clantons are from Texas. They're and the violence that erupts veterans. thereof
2: is is basically a continuation of the violence that was done during the Civil War. Yeah. I mean, James like, Earp and Virgil Earp were Union veterans. They saw combat.
1: Right. And yeah. I want to talk about this a little bit because I think context is really important. You know, that, you know, you guys know me. I'm big on context. Good. So <clears throat> when we think about setting the stage for this transformation of the U.S., you know, we talked about how. Uh, the, the, the Westerns, you know, what we think of the Westerns as the outgrowth of the, the Civil War. One of the things that I think is important to, to remember is that the Civil War at the time would probably have been the biggest war ever.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, Most number of men under arms, with the possible exception of the Napoleonic Wars. Yeah,
2: they would have had more, but they also had a much larger area to pull from. I don't want to say much well, larger. But well, maybe maybe not geographically, but... Well, when you start adding Russia in, that's kind of where the is, Well, yeah, but I mean, my point
1: is, yeah, uh, population-wise it yeah. would have been, but it also uh, was basically a push from one country across the entire continent. Right. Um, it wasn't limited to one geographic country. Like right, this because was. it was
2: that was a war of conquest, right? Which is a different well, thing entirely. It,
1: from the South, you, so was the Civil War. But <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's an entirely different that's thing, That's right? Yeah. But my point is, though, um, this is the first time you saw such a massive number of men under arms in the same country. That after the war was over, they're still in the same country. Yeah, and, the invaders
2: don't go home because everybody's the invaders.
1: Right. You know, when will they get it through their heads? It's all all that's all our territory, all our, our Lincoln, land. Lincoln, yeah. Um. Whereas you know, prior to this, I'm willing to bet that a good number of the men who went east with Napoleon, if they lived, never made it back because it just stayed where they
2: were. You know? Oh yeah, there there was a there was a uh, there was a bleeding of people that uh, across Europe during that time. The only issue, part of the issue was too, is they spoke different languages. Yes, that kind of messed with it a little. It bit. It
1: does, but you also have to remember though, even then. It was not unusual, for, unusual, for, unusual for people to speak more
2: than one language. That is correct. Well, Bonplandos was a great example because he went to Russia. Uh, uh, because... well, I mean, even the
1: the lower class, you know, they sure. would have they would have been able to get by even in some pidgin version of, of right. German or, or Italian or Sp- uh, Spanish, whatever. Well,
0: in Jewish diaspora, they're all. I mean, yeah, yeah.
1: they're all so, across the continent as well. So you know, you spread out the aftermath whereas here in the same country you've got to figure out how to deal with all these people as you know in a different way than has ever been done before so yeah you're talking about sending all those guys west well not necessarily well this is our official policy yeah it kind of becomes the unofficial yeah you know and and it's not necessarily sending them as you've got all these guys that that they've lost as well as the ones in the north that don't know what to do with do with themselves and they're looking for meaning. They're looking for a way to, to have some control over their lives, mm-hmm. yeah. which they can't do where they where they're right. from. So they go out west trying to yeah. to re
2: it to was, restart their lives. It was an opportunity that was you know lots of people took advantage of.
0: Right. Yeah. This well, is something and, that's unheard of. Right. And the government set this the conditions. Yeah. Because selling off the land at really really cheap prices and yeah, the Homestead Act. The Homestead Act. Right. But, that's a big uh, one right there. So you're. you're Right, we tend to look at, at this era through this one prism and of course in our modern day, uh, that prism gets colored by revisionist
2: history and you know, everything's evil and America's always bad. Well, the Indian Wars brought that about. Yeah. That well I there's mean there's nothing there's nothing good about that. Well you
1: have that, but I mean you also have what went well, on in the South too. I mean there's well, a great. lot of evil going on. Yeah, well,
0: absolutely. I mean, yeah. it, it, there is there there is a definite attempt to overturn the verdict through domestic terrorism.
1: It's yes. No question. We, and if Lincoln had lived, I think things would have gone a lot differently in that respect. Because once Reconstruction's over, because the North they finally just get tired of it. Yeah. It's like we're done. Well, the Klan and and those people step into that power vacuum. They, they, yeah, they reemerge. Even so after. if Lincoln is there and things aren't as bad, you know, and that domestic terrorism maybe. Maybe it's still there, but maybe it's not as bad. What does the South look like if there, you know if that power yeah. vacuum isn't filled by them?
0: Is Johnson for sure is is, is got his problem. eyes closed? That's yeah, he that's, doesn't he doesn't. Yeah, the damage he does
2: on. early on, even though it's not. I mean, because think about it, he's got three years.
1: It's a damage of inaction.
2: Well, that's correct. Yeah. It's, it's well, nothing. in that three
1: years, a lot of that is spent in trying to figure out what we're going to do. Yeah. You know, you're getting all of the amendments passed because those don't happen all at the same time. Right. And you're figuring out what you're gonna do with everybody and how you're gonna do it, so you know, that's not an immediate oh, we know exactly what we're doing. So yeah, I mean, he, he no gets a short division. shrift in a lot of ways, and I don't say that just because he's a Johnson, because I'm not related. But he gets short shrift in, in a lot of ways because he was given an unwinnable
2: hand. Oh, there's no question, yeah. And there's no redeals here.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. no redeals.
2: Well
0: and he wasn't up to the the challenge. He was not. He was not Correct. up to the challenge.
2: Well, I mean he he was really never intended to be anything he was a he was an attempt at conciliation because yeah well was, you didn't
1: pick vice presidents back then as potential successors
2: well that's right And which you know he's the he's one of the primary examples we were talking in the show prep. he's a unionist from tennessee right it, which was an attempt to so sew, sew things together uh which didn't you know ultimately didn't, work, didn't yeah. work yeah
0: but yeah so that's that's this prison that we see this era through but there's more to it than that and that's what i've discovered in reading these two particular books is there's a real development of American power
1: that Europe pays attention to.
2: Yeah. Eventually.
1: Well, eventually. it's not just military power. It's economic power. It's economic well. power. Because industrialization is going which on. Which gives us which gives us weight
0: on the international stage. And contrary I think to this idea that everything's horrible we do attempt to use this influence and this power in a positive way. And Hay, John Hay, is, I think, a guy that there ought to be a statue to. Now, of course, in the last few months, probably somebody would have tried to tear his statue down.
2: He was a Unionist.
0: Yeah, but that doesn't seem to matter anymore. Well, unfortunately. Uh, right. So just a little on Hay that makes him so interesting. He's a very young man um, uh, during Civil War. He ends up in D.C. Uh, back then, you didn't really have a White House staff, so to speak, uh, or a presidential staff. But he he's answering Lincoln's mail.
2: Yeah.
0: He and a man named John Nicolay they they get a job personal
2: secretaries or to, personal to Lincoln, secretaries
0: yeah. to Lincoln. They're answering his mail, and Lincoln gets a massive volume of mail. Obviously, he's in the middle of a war, so he's getting letters about how to conduct the war and what to do. Uh, letters from moms and wives (laughs) saying, Oh, yeah, what have you done to my my
1: husband and and children? Whatever,
0: yeah, so it's a huge job. Um, that he and Nick Leigh are performing, and so of course, he's around when Lincoln is killed, he's he's about to leave the administration. Mary Todd couldn't stand either one of them, wanted them pushed out because you're paying these guys out of your own pocket, there's no budget for this. So right. Lincoln's really paying them, and Mary Todd Lincoln wants to use that money to for new drapes or something.
2: Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> oh, she's, Lord. Unfortunately, yes.
0: she's by the time I think it's Tad, right? Yeah, that dies as a young. No, employee. it's Willie.
2: Willie. Willie is the one that really messes her up bad. They, they had Lincoln had four sons. Uh, the set, uh, Robert's the only one that lived to adult, full adulthood, right? Uh, and he actually is becomes part of the administrations of what some of the stuff we're going to be talking yeah. about. But uh, the second son, Edward Eddie, he dies uh, as a child, uh, as, a, as, a, as a, a little more than an infant. I think he's three. Yeah. Uh, Willie and Tad were the next two, and they were close to each other in age. And they were children during the years of the White House, and they were known as just fireballs all over yeah. the place. They were, and Willie was the leader of that. <laughs> and Willie got contracted scarlet fever in 1863 and dies in the White House. And Mary Todd, who was never the most stable individual anyway, right. she, uh, there are stories of her chasing Abe down the uh, Springfield, Illinois, streets with rolling pins where he has to stop her and tell her, No, Mary, let's go back to the house. I mean, these are documented issues. Yeah. So she she ha- She's a rat in a coffee can. That's very well put. <laughs> I was hoping one of you guys would pick this up and give me a, the, the, the colorful metaphor that we were looking for. Yes, she is. But... Willie's death absolutely destroyed her. Destroyed yeah. her, uh, and she was. And the movie Lincoln, which we talk about often because it is so good, Steven Spielberg's portrays this pretty well. Lincoln had to not only manage the greatest war on American soil ever, but also manage this batshit crazy wife of his who has, just by her position, certain degrees of power. Yeah, uh, and she, and you know, being able to push out Hay and Nikolai. Uh, was part of that because it was domestic type stuff. It was yeah. functioning in the house. She had authorities in that, yeah. uh, and with, but, and Lincoln's death, which also unhinged her even more. She never got over that. Yeah. In fact, Robert had to have her committed at yeah. one point, which still there's controversy over that. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, but
0: Hay and and Nicolay uh, eventually would produce the really the first important Lincoln biography with Robert's blessing, right. And really, their biography it colors was, our understanding of
2: Lincoln to this day. Oh, yeah. Almost everybody, because it's primary data, because they're there. They they lived it. They lived right. it the whole time. Yeah. So uh, they're kind of the standard it, uh, of, you know, the presidential biographies. In fact, there weren't really presidential biographies before <laughs> Lincoln, that, yeah. before that. But, uh, uh,
0: you know, Hay then goes on to uh, marry wealthy. <laughs> but he's a poet. He's a novelist. Uh, his novel is called "The Breadwinners." Uh, it's pretty unique. It's uh, written about uh, labor-capital relations, and he so is this
1: like a 19th-century Rand? It's probably <laughs> close, probably
0: close. But he comes down on the side of capital, right. of course.
2: Well, that was in the ascendancy at this time. Yeah. It's just yet he, another part of this whole thing going on. I mean, yeah. we we remember, you know, J.P. Morgan and all that in the in the <clears> 19 early 1900s. 19 but that power didn't stop. Didn't start overnight. It's built through the eighteen eighties ni- and nineties, yes. and Hay was part of that right. tension going on. Yes. you know, capital versus labor. Well, and not
0: only is tension, part of the tension inside the Republican Party as well, because he's a reformer.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. So he, he, he grew up under that. Yeah.
0: So he's kind of
2: <coughs> in and out of
0: influence.
2: Well, yeah. Because, Lincoln's reform. Lincoln. Lincoln's reformist tendencies, no doubt, formed. Him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Lincoln. Lincoln nearly adopted the two of them uh, right. to a point. I mean,
0: they're of that age where yeah. they would have seen Lincoln as a father figure, right? And they would be heavily influenced. Yeah.
1: Well, and at the end, yeah. Well, and that's the interesting thing. You know, they're going to be heavily influenced by him, and we have to remember the Republican Party was founded as the Reform Party. Yes. Correct. Absolutely, one hundred percent. And it, it was kind and of there the, at the origins, and yeah. so that's going to color everything that comes after them. Right. But unlike most reform parties it immediately gains almost total control of the country yeah, because of the Civil War. And then the Grant faction comes to be known as the Stalwarts. Right. So there's that usual tension you have in different parties is now happening in the yeah. one party.
0: Yeah. So they, they've got, I mean, every party goes through this and it's different. I mean, right now you've got, even the Democratic Party is kind of the progressive AOC group and then, you know, a more moderate Joe Biden, Joe you know. Biden sliver or whatever. So and that was going on then. It's a
2: natural tendency. So
0: he's in and out of uh, out of uh, influence with the Republican Party uh, throughout this period. But he becomes an advisor to Garfield just as Garfield is killed. So now he's experienced almost in personal contact two assassinations. Um, he comes back into government. He eventually becomes ambassador to the court of St. James, I think it is. Uh, then becomes secretary of state. This is under McKinley. And he's an important government official when McKinley is killed.
2: <laughs> to so, lose two presidents by assassination might seem to misfortune. One is bad
1: luck. Two is... <laughs> <Yeah>. Carelessness. Carelessness. <laughs> Three is de- just outright it's like suspicious. Maybe it's me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. enemy <laughs> action. That's, yes. that's the way... Yes. Yeah. But Been married nine times. Hell, maybe yeah. it's you. <laughs> well, uh,
2: uh, I don't, we've never actually, I don't think, said this on air. But Tim Wilson, the great comedian, long may he rest in peace, is one of our heroes. Yeah, he's we, a funny, he, funny, he, funny guy. Funny we've seen man. him in person. Yeah, absolutely. And look, that's look, one of his gags. Look there. him up. He's worth some time. He's got. He's, uh, he was with Capitol Records longer than, he, than the Beatles were, as he was uh, famed for saying, <laughs> uh, "Which which that's what he that's what he said when we saw him together that one time." So
0: so Hayes' career goes all the way through. To Theodore Roosevelt, so this is this is a guy that's really, what would you call the at the crossroads of history?
2: He really is. Yeah, he, he was he was actually portrayed on film. We talked about this in show prep uh, by John Huston, the great director. Oh, uh, in the movie I missed that I in the movie The talking. Wind and the Lion with Sean Connery yeah. and yeah. Brian Keith, directed by one of our heroes, John Melius. Yeah, wow, uh, and the that's famous, some big names. The famous,
0: yeah, the famous cable. Uh, we want. Perdicaris alive right. or Rasuli dead. dead? Yeah, that was read out in the 1904 Republican convention, the coronation of, of Roosevelt running for that term after McKinley's killed. Uh, that's attributed to Hay. Yeah. So this idea of <coughs> we're tired of we're tired of the crap, we want Perdicaris alive or Rasuli dead, and Perdicaris was a, an American
2: kidnapped in Morocco. Yeah, which, you know, watch the movie. It is, hey, it's, it's a work of art. I mean, it was Melius for gosh sakes. But you had some annoying, for gosh sakes. One of Sean Connery's greatest movies. we got an episode coming up about him, though. Yeah. So we'll go more into that there. But
0: uh, Hay is is a guy that, again, today they'd be wanting to pull his statue down. But he really tried to not just develop American power, but then to use it in a positive way. He's the author of what was called the Open Door Policy, yeah, I China. think this is
1: the best example of trying to use American
2: newfound American might in a positive way. Yeah, uh, that's that. You may have just kind of stated the entire premise of this episode. That's really what we're talking about. Right. Here is, yeah. And Hay was the author of that. <clears throat> yeah. So, certainly one of the driving forces. Yeah,
0: as Hay is uh, McKinley's Secretary of State, and again, uh, McKinley is one of these guys too that gets kind of this. Well, he was an affable dude that really... They got shot. (laughs) Yeah, they got shot. Mark Hanna was the power behind the throne. He was was the campaign manager from Ohio. He was an affable Ohio guy. Um, But really, Robert W. Mary makes a case that McKinley knows what he's doing.
2: Yeah, Roosevelt's shadow reaches backwards and overshadows and overshadows too McKinley. Too uh, and that's not fair the, to McKinley. The, the
0: energy that and this vibrancy and the great quotes and all that, that that Roosevelt was really overshadows kind of this mild-mannered McKinley.
2: But McKinley knew what was up. He knew what the score he, was. He was a huge political animal. He was very, very uh, well-known and well-respected on both sides of the aisle which is unusual in this time. And
0: very influential in Congress. Yes, He had been a congressman and still had friends, even in the House, not just the Senate, but in the House. And so he knew how to kind of put people together to get things yeah. done. And, again, he, he's bringing in Hay. Hay is not a stalwart. He's not a uh, one of these old school guys with the spoil system. He is a reformer. And in the aftermath of the Spanish-American War, very important. Which is huge, yeah. Right. You you know, we're we're now in possession of the Philippines. We're now in possession of Cuba. And there's a tension going on in America about we shouldn't be holding on to these places. We are not imperialists like the bad old Europeans. So there's a, a, you know, this tension in trying to figure out, well, what are we really? And Hay is one of these guys that we're going to use American power for good. We're going to try to fix Cuba. We're going to try to fix the Philippines, and eventually give them independence. We're not going to hold them forever. Uh, maybe a little optimistic, but
2: I think that was what he was. Well, that wanting was his to intention. Do. In many respects, he is the uh, great grandfather of what would eventually become the Marshall Plan, because yeah. that that philosophy becomes so. Entrenched in American understanding, by the time of the Marshall Plan, we don't think anything else of it. Of course, we've seen the disaster that came out of World War One. Yeah. Well, in and many ways, of
1: that. in many ways, though, that is, even though some might call that an anti-imperialist attitude, it's a very imperialist attitude, because what you're doing is really, this is not my argument, but I can see how someone would make the case yeah. that this is a continuation of, of, of American policy from the very beginning, in that. You know, Europeans came over here and colonized a place that already had people living in it Yeah. Uh, under the pretense of we're better than they are yep. and we can teach them how to be like us
2: and therefore better. The white savior complex. Yeah. yeah.
1: The, the white man's burden. White man's burden. And so then we started doing this in the Philippines and Cuba. And you see this later on in the early 20th century in the Dominican Republic and, and other places yes. where we do this. Nicaragua. Nicaragua. And every, all yeah. Of, down yes. to Panama when they start building the canal. All of this. And... It's going to have its pros and cons. It's going to have yes, some good things happen, and yes, bad things happen. Uh, but I, I think I think you have to recognize though, it's a different form of imperialism. Oh yeah, it's very yeah. different than
2: European. That's for sure. Yeah,
1: and it is di- it is different than European imperialism because it is not about conquering yeah. to strip the country that you're conquering of its wealth. That's naked greed. Right. I will say this. You know, we, generally speaking, that was not how we went about things. You know, we didn't go over and. And granted, you know, it's not like we went someplace that had you know large yeah. copper mines and gold mines and diamonds like in you know South that you would Africa, see in, in, yeah. in Africa. But <clears throat> overall, I'd have to say, for all the warts, it had a more beneficial effect yeah. than the colonialism that went on yeah. in Africa. It's a tightrope. Yeah, they're they're walking tightrope. They are trying to figure out what to do because
0: you've defeated Spain. Spain was had these places. Now what do you do? They're right. not ready to be
2: But it was not a war and the Spanish American War was not a war of conquest or imperial uh, attitudes. It just kinda happened.
1: Well it kinda happened, but it kinda happened on purpose. Well
2: that's and there's you had yeah, it was move.
0: it was the idea to drive the old world out of this hemisphere, especially Which was, in Cuba. Well, yeah, and New that's Cuba.
2: a Monroe thing. Exactly. We've got the too. history of that, how that goes with it. Right. Well, it's also, though,
1: you've got people in, in the country, you know, the, the yellow journalists, not uh, the, the least of them, because they help drive the the influence. They're, they're yeah. Um, we're, we're an economic power. We have built a military, you know, we built the Navy. Uh, and once you build that,
0: what are you going to do with it? Right. And once you've won the war, what do you do with what you've taken
1: away from Spain,
0: right. the Philippines?
1: Canada you got to figure it out. You know, this, they talk about this being the emergence of the U.S. as, as a world power, sort of. But it's kind of like you know when a Big Ten team plays somebody from you know the the you know what was it, what was the old um, uh, conference that was all the cities, of, you know, Louisville U of L Metro the, Metro the, the Metro Conference Conference you know. USA. Uh, no, probably even before that, you know, yeah. because you know, it's the '70s. Yeah, yeah. You know, when you 80s. like when a you know four A team goes and plays a single A team, you know, it's not the same. It's it that's what the the Spanish American War was. Yeah, they were on their last legs as as a power, and we saw it. Well, we as in those who were looking to flex power saw that as an easy win. Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. And, you know, let's face it, if you want to go to war, you don't want to go to war against the, uh, war against the heavyweights. You want to go against the, the, the lightweights.
2: <laughs> well, and you also get noticed by the heavyweights, too, which you was do. part of the thing. And if, bearing in mind, this was capitalized upon. This could have been a flash in the pan. Roosevelt, in particular, the Great White Fleet and all that, Yeah, he capitalizes on this and brings that victory and takes it where it could go. Yeah. And that's, I think... Part of what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, because... Well, let's take a break real quick, though.
0: Because I want to I tag on to both of those things. I want to tag on to Monroe, like you guys were talking about. And I want to I get back to the open-door policy, too, in China. And how important that was. But first...
2: New bourbon. Yes, you poured yes. this, and neither of us have a clue what it is. We haven't. I haven't even tasted mine yet. You haven't tasted Well, no, haven't we're yet. taking a break. Uh, yes. I took a sip earlier. It's interesting. It's
1: interesting. It's Quarter Horse Reserve.
2: I saw that over there on the okay. calendar. Okay.
0: It's brand new. Uh, just opened today for this recording. Uh, listeners, we are back at Studio M here in the, the spacious uh, recording facilities. Yeah, and uh, I broke open a new bottle Basement of bourbon. Of the Nakatomi Tower. <laughs> yes, thirtieth floor of Nakatomi. 30th, 31st, right? Thirtieth floor behind the waterfall, Float just floor. down from Ellis's, Ellis's office. office. Okay, it's yeah, funny. I'm starting to get this right. Okay, yeah,
2: exactly. And you've given us soapstone soap cubes uh, in our glasses here that we're kind of you hear the clink yeah. as we go through. here. So it's chilled, yeah. but not watered. So it's it's. Could you call this quasi neat? Is that even possible? It, it's, yeah, I mean, it's basically neat. It's just yeah. chilled, yeah, yeah, just... Uh, but it's
0: quarter horse reserve is from Owensboro. Oh, I love so Owensboro. a little different. I usually prefer my Nelson County stuff, but yeah. But we, you know, when we went a... to
2: Minard, we uh, we ate there in Owensboro uh, mm-hmm. at Old Hickory Barbecue, which you guys weren't as huge of fans of as I was personally. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. <laughs> well, I enjoyed it immensely. Owensboro Barbecue. We had been there before. We had uh,
1: when we went to the uh, ordination of. Um,
2: uh, Bishop Medley. Bishop Medley. That's you. right, yeah. And it was uh, uh, Owensboro barbecue is very different than any other barbecue around. Proudly so. The the mutton, I mean, I'm, I'm going off on a tangent, but you know, we kind of. But do it's barbecue. It's Come it's on. Barbecue, well, see, barbecue we and bourbon. It's all right. We haven't talked a lot of barbecue, and I think we've probably got a Hoopa Jupe episode at some point that we we're need gonna to do that. Yes, we'll have to do that. We did a chili one. It's time to do a barbecue. So barbecue. We'll just kind of chop that I do prefer
0: bit. the meat naked and allowed to be sauced uh, myself to to extent yeah
2: I agree well well, Owensboro barbecue don't work that way it's all mixed together I'm okay with that
1: I'm not real big on on just slathering it so that you know it drips off because to me it's the meat you want to taste the smoke yeah that's right you want to taste the rub yeah you know, I, I want not like flavor, the flavor, but I don't yeah. want to be overwhelmed because yeah. for me it's all about being a carnivore.
2: <laughs> well, that's right. Well, and you know, we uh, the lunch that we had today as we were recording, we got from Bootleg Barbecue just up the road here, which is like we were talking about it. Uh, it's the closest restaurant to the Nakatomi Plaza, <laughs> uh, so it's just literally moments that we could have walked if we really felt like it. Uh, and dang, it was good. Well, have some of the uh, actually, I have. I mean, i mean clinking around here. I it, have uh, It's it's.
1: The kind of the strong caramel. Whoa! Yes, yes it's got that.
2: Yeah. Yes, not, there's uh, a
1: very subtle hint that reminded me of the uh, the maple bourbon uh, from a while back. Yeah. Very subtle. Very subtle. Because it's not, not as yeah, sweet. as Yeah. No. 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 no but it, it's not, it, it brought that up to me, and it's got a um, uh, its burn is a little more nasally. It is. Yeah. I noticed it, that too. It's up in here. here. Yeah. Uh, which is an interesting. I'm I'm more a fan of the the the, throat oh, the burn the throat the, burn the, versus the, the nose burn. Yeah. Uh, but I like this though. It's it's a good flavor. Yeah, I mean, um, uh,
2: it doesn't have anything that m- marks it taste wise as anything different than what we would have gotten from you know the yeah. you know out in Nelson County, Marion County, places like that. Yeah, I'm it not feels thin...
1: texture wise a little thicker.
2: Yeah, than the some chew. Of the the we chew have. is Ooh, a little. That's you're right. Yeah, I hadn't Your picked know, that up. But you're right. It's, it's yeah, yeah,
1: it's interesting because it, it, most of the others are a thinner liquid. Yeah, that we, this that has got to this has
2: got a heft to it. Yeah, a, a heftier little, chew, a yeah. little
0: stronger flavor, um, a little more woodsy. Mm-hmm. It's got it's got a little bit more aftertaste too. A little more oaky, woodsy flavor. Oaky less, is good. Yeah. Less sweetness, less caramel to
1: me. Yeah, less caramel. I mean, to me, it was just a hint at the very yeah. beginning of the taste. Yeah,
2: but this is not what you would consider an antiseptic, though. We've talked about that. That's one of your Big issues when it's right. When if it tastes like
0: medicine, I don't. That's care yeah, for that's exactly. Right. And that's this
1: is well, so have many whiskeys, which to, you know to us are just a poor man's cousin, bourbon, uh, poor cousin to bourbon. bourbon. Uh, they can only aspire to be as good as bourbon. Agreed. Um, are like that. That they, they're anesthetic. you know, they just they're all about that that harsh harshness. Uh, a little and, bit of chocolate, a little bit of dark yes, chocolate, yes,
2: yes, yes, a little I, bit of dark really? chocolate. That's a that's Does a good it, way have to it, put it or you're just thinking it.
0: No, that's that's uh, it's finally
2: the Yeah, that, that's a good <laughs> way to some, put it. yeah.
0: After some sniffs and some chew, there's a little bit of dark chocolate and a little bit of wood.
2: I would never and have pulled that not, out, but you're right.
0: Not uh, not a lot of sweet.
2: Yeah, no, it yeah. definitely not so that strong the, um, flavor. If it's you, an if you adult liked, taste. Yeah, okay. yeah, uh,
1: yeah. It's interesting. Uh, different. It's definitely different from the ones we you, we have usually uh, talked about. Um you said the, the the burn starts out in the the, in the upper part of the palate. Oh yeah. And but it moves. It moves its way down. Mm-hmm. Uh, very slowly. It's a nice uh, which is interesting. Right yeah. In there right in the um, diaphragm. In so the, yeah,
2: the diaphragm's not bad. The, the, the esophagus not so much in the stomach. Yeah, just some. I mean, some are the opposite. Well, some we just some. had a
1: big meal, so it's hard to say whether or not best <laughs> that's, that's interfering. It's landing on some ribs and hot wings. That's right. So, so what,
2: what, the wings were hot. They Sticky, were sticky. sticky. Wings, that's sticky. right. Yeah, they they were uh, they were very very good. Very good. Yes. So
0: yeah, quarter horse reserve. I think our our verdict is. Oh
2: yeah.
0: It's good, but be ready for it to be a little bit stouter flavor than yeah. Some others. Stats I can see word.
1: putting this in the rotation every once in a while.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Uh,
0: I think it was only uh, $25, $26 bucks,
2: that's a uh, down the street here.
1: You know, that's maybe it's just because we live here. I don't know if, if bourbons are priced higher the farther away you, you get from Kentucky or not. I, I
2: hey, listeners, let us know.
1: Yeah, yeah, let, let us, us know. Yeah. You know, shoot us an email. Go to our website, snakesandotters.com. You can find uh, links our, to our, our profiles. New, our new website, yes. yes.
2: We, it's only recently come, come about. Thank you, Robert, for doing most of the engineering well, on that. Uh, we've all had our hands in it. That's right. Well, you know, when it comes to content, we've actually kind of got it figured out now. Where this is where you're going to get bonus information. If we want to go deeper on some of the stuffs we like or the subjects that we've talked about, captains in particular,
0: or but some hints we... to go back and find some old episodes. Well, yes,
2: yeah. that's, that's exactly true. Uh, we're gonna we're kind of getting it down where it's going to be a Martin Mondays, uh, Waba Wednesday, <laughs> and Francis Fridays. Yes. Where we each of us for sure we're going to do that. Yeah. Although we can. Can and all do uh, put our own stuff down whenever right. the whenever the spirit moves us. Yeah, but
1: you can find us uh, way to email us there at the at the website.
2: Yeah, we each have our own uh, emails. It's at that domain snakesandadders
1: yep. dot com. So, uh, yeah, let us know if it's priced any differently uh, elsewhere. But I'm I've really been pleased because over the last year or so, we have found several good bottles in that
2: twenty to thirty dollar
1: range. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's normally that is really seen good. as a low end mixing bourbon range
2: interesting you say that because
1: to me the ones we have found that we've liked are not mixing i tell you what you can spend 50 bucks
0: if you want but knob creek elijah craig four roses quarter horse reserve all in that 25 plus to 30 range you are not going to go wrong. Yeah. Yeah, you're not going to go wrong. Yeah,
2: you will not
1: have a bad bourbon out Interesting of any of those. that
2: you say that, that the price is so good because when we first started buying bourbon, you remember the first time we bought Basil Hayden, the first time you ever tried it. This was in the early 90s. It was $30 a bottle then and we thought it was absolutely outrageously overpriced.
1: Well, we also tended to mix our bourbons. Uh, uh, yeah, and
2: also we was po- poorer. in <laughs> we were those poorer days.
1: And you know, we were we were more uh, you know, we were we were still learning our way around a good bottle of bourbon. Yeah. And we still, I mean, you. there's always more to learn,
2: Well, that's but right. we're far better at it than we used well, to be. Well, you know, that kind of goes with the whole concept of age and things like that. In fact, we're going to do a, uh, one of our next Hoopa Joops is going to be about Generation X and why we're so awesome. So uh, <laughs> uh, the, the, I guarantee you this is going to be one of those moments that would fit into that well. And I neglected
0: to mention also uh, Bullet and Old Tub. That's that right. We, that we've liked are also in that price range. In fact, Old that's Tub right. is... Under that price range. Old Dev is. is 21, 22
1: bucks. Right. Yeah. And it's, well, it's and that four roses you mentioned is often on sale, at $20. Yeah. And I tell you what, for $20, I don't think you find a better bourbon. Yeah. Well, I agree. It is it's smooth, it's, it's, it's great. It, it just, it's one, and you know, and that's just your basic four roses. Four roses, you know, the small batch and stuff is not even that much more expensive uh, when you get, get into yeah. those. So, you know, it's great stuff. And no, we're not alcoholics. <laughs> No. Sounds like it, but we're not. No, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. uh, yeah, no. We
2: appreciate something, and we, uh, in particular, and Robert and I in particular, you know, that, that dog don't hunt. We've talked about that yes. before. Yes, yes. Uh, that, in many respects, some of the reason we like bourbon is to tell ourselves and the world around us that, no, we're not, and we're not even close.
1: Well, you know, for us, we truly are social drinkers.
2: Absolutely. Because, yeah. to be honest...
1: I mean, I, I have a beer every once in a while at night, but I, one... I, yeah. One only, one one beer only. Visilly, that's right. That's right. Yeah. If I'm having a, not me. I like mine and is a after dinner, after relaxing di- oh, kind of thing.
2: Uh, after mowing the grass, it's not bad. Yeah, uh, you know. Yeah, really that's a good something. You know, yeah. uh, something to clear the palate yeah. and all that stuff. But as a general, the only time I ever drink anything is with you guys here. Yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> basically it. Yeah. I just never had the the, the taste for it. So uh, growing
1: dis- up, and because no. as you as we both know, coming from families that had to deal with alcoholism. That's right. Uh, it's not a road you want to go down. If you have a choice, that's right.
2: So, absolutely, it's not. So, uh, never. We don't ever want that to be a thought in how we go about things like this, because we uh, we drink responsibly. Oh, absolutely. In fact, we are probably the poster boys of drinking responsibly. So, I want to tag right
0: on because somebody brought up Monroe. Yes, that was that Monroe was Francis. Francis, the Monroe Doctrine, and absolutely what John Hay did, uh, and and. Pushing Spain out of this hemisphere, and what Roosevelt ends up doing, interceding with Venezuela and Germany, uh, and their dispute, and all of that is is definitely the continuation of the Monroe Doctrine. So your
2: Panama absent, Canal too, because and the, the Panama Canal, because didn't it have uh, European uh, origins before we took into it? Well, there was the uh, the phrase attempt, attempt yeah. at
1: uh, Culebra. Uh, in Nicaragua. Yeah,
2: yeah that's it. See, I knew, yeah. I knew, uh, well, the
1: French had the
0: rights, and but basically their attempts collapsed. And we so bought their no rights, rights. rights for yeah. next to nothing. But yeah, Hay ends up negotiating several treaties for Roosevelt <laughs> to get the canal going. So he's very influential there. But the other piece, and uh, this to me is is the key to understanding what I'm trying to get to, is the open door policy. Yes, please. So, at the turn of the century, China is a mess. And the European powers are very close to essentially carving it up like Africa. I mean, we were within a whisker of, you know...
2: European, British, debate, chi- uh,
0: British China and German China and Italian China and to go along with French, French Indochina China, and, all China, and all that kind right. Of stuff. Right, I mean it's it's very much where it could have been carved up the same way as Africa, uh, you know, German East Africa and British Cameroon and all that kind of stuff. And China could have emerged as a dozen separate countries easily, mm. but Hay intervenes. And it's not really even a treaty or anything. It's just a note. He just publishes basically through his diplomacy and his skill and his tact and the respect that he had garnered with these other countries, he just basically publishes that the U.S. really expects that everybody's going to leave China alone.
2: When did he do that? You got a a date on that? I just want to make sure we get context here. That's going to
1: be post Spanish-American
2: War. It's post-Spanish-American War, but it's... This is him it's, as Secretary of State for Roosevelt. Right,
0: but bef- I believe the open-door note comes before Roosevelt's uh, win in 1904. Okay, right. so yeah, because he term. was
1: only Secretary of State through basically the first term, right? Through
0: 1905? Uh, Right about there, yes. Yeah. And then he, he retires and, and dies shortly thereafter. Right, because uh, he Eli was by that point. Well, he, no, he was in his 60s. But he um, was in poor health, and back then, of course, he smoked. That's for sure. Um, well, once you start to have heart trouble, you're you're kind of a goner because yeah. there's no heart surgery, there's no heart medicine. There's nitroglycerin mm-hmm. pills are about it. Um, so once, you, yeah, and half of those guys blew up. No, <laughs> so, wait. no, no. no, that's, <laughs> no it's, 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 I'm it's glad you did that because that's that's mm-hmm. a, that's a cool mm-hmm. thing. But uh. um, but it's very important. And the European powers didn't go yes stuff it
1: well and i think the timing they, they of this is important it. uh and i and i think they lived with it for a number of reasons uh one um they couldn't get their troops there except by sea cuz russia was definitely not going to let them go through them yeah because um, even as, you know, although you can make yeah. the argument Russia was a bigger mess than, than China. <laughs> well, yeah, the Russo
2: Japanese Wars right around this time, too. Right, 1905. Yes, so, yeah, so you're talking about. Uh, yeah, there's competing Russia's interests. The, yeah, exactly. Competing interests is where I was going. Go. Um,
1: yep. So, you know, by sea would have had, there would have had to have been a lot of that done by sea. There's only so much you can do by land. So, but this is also when the American Navy has come into prominence. Now, and it's not the fleet. British Navy yet, but. The American Navy can far more easily go from the west coast of the U.S. to China yeah. With, than any right. of them project power across two oceans. Exactly, very unique. Yeah, yes, very unique. Much and easier still, than any of the European powers. Yes, have. and really, it is still unique. Uh, you know, the Russians come the closest, but they're still looking for a warm water port. Yeah. <laughs> you right. know? yeah, I mean that that is the holy grail for Russia: warm water port that connects to other other bodies of water. Um, so. We have a little bit of power that we can we can enforce this, uh, to where it's not worth the effort. And control of the canal, and we have control of the canal, so e- we can even move uh, ships from one side of our country to the other. You know, from one ocean to the other. Mm-hmm. Granted, you know you might be left vulnerable over on the other side, but again, you know nobody has enough power to project everywhere. But
2: ever, China was a backwater at this point. But Japan was absolutely not. No, Japan. That was a, I mean, they were a westernized power with with huge eastern overtones, but they had all the modern, and the Russo Japanese War was just an obvious moment of that. Now, this is around that time. I don't know that that had been proven yet. Uh, That was an, an amazingly different cog. In this uh, X factor, as you were. Well, I think
1: that probably helped cement this idea that, you know, you leave China alone. That's right. Because Because, that happens after he leaves as Secretary of State or right as he's leaving because um, he leaves July 1st of 1905 as Secretary of State. And that's the year that the uh, Russo-Japanese War, War, however you want to call it, it, takes place. So I, probably between the U.S. saying, we really think you guys ought to leave, leave them alone. It's better to be economic partners than overlords, Yeah, uh, which is what? essentially the point.
2: Yes. Oh, yeah, that, that's, that's very important. I'm glad you yes. mentioned that. Because-, because that's
1: the idea is to keep
0: where China can be a single entity economically and everybody benefits – See, and you're not going through six different...
2: That's how he sold it, because yeah. it's the greed still gets to take place, but yeah. it does so on a level and equal playing a field. A level playing field. That was the idea. And there's the genius behind this guy. He recognizes, you know, it's better to do business with them than conquer them.
1: Well, this is partially a, a legacy of, of the founding of America. Mm-hmm. You know, leave us alone. We're our own people. And I think for the most part, even today that's how we want other countries to be approached you Mm -hmm. know you be independent let's be friends but you know we don't want to take over you you know for all the claims of imperialism in the middle east we don't want to stay there it's not good business too it's not good business you know we didn't go to war in the middle east twice for oil oil companies didn't own any of those oil wells after those wars none of the u.s oil companies now, they may have made money by consulting, buying that oil. That's a different thing. But as far as direct control, no. And that's not how the U.S. tends to operate philosophically. Yeah, we have our exceptions. Don't get me wrong. Well, know. that would
2: also be, fa- you know, if you want to talk about economics, that's fascism.
1: We're well, go- yes. Government
2: control of the means of production. I mean, that's, I mean, that's textbook yeah. right there. Well,
1: uh, government control or, you know, government cronies, however you want to... Uh, well, yeah. Uh, 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 government ownership, it. of course, is communism. Yeah. But, uh, so... You know, I think that the, that approach is a very uniquely American approach. And what I find fascinating about the open-door policy is the long-ranging effects of it. Yeah. I guess think of how the 20th century is different if you have 10 Chinas instead of one. Yeah. Constant conflict. Constant, well, constant conflict maybe, but, you know, you're going to have that uh, presence of European powers there. Yeah. So maybe the conflict isn't really what you think. Um
2: well, Hong you know, a good maybe example. the
1: Middle East doesn't happen the way it does because they're too busy in China screwing it up, so they don't bother screwing up the Middle East Possibly. in the early 20th
2: century. Well, World War One had a little bit to do with that in the Ottoman Empire and the breakup. Of well, the, yeah, but I mean that. there was
1: a lot of that influence going on in the Middle East prior to World War One. Right. You know that's partly why some of that stuff happened there. But yep. you know if they're focused over in China, maybe the Middle East turns out differently because the European powers definitely screwed it up.
2: Well, yeah, you can look forward to, you know, uh, Korea and Vietnam and all sorts of things like that. Those are those don't happen that well,
1: way. Well, World War II probably definitely plays out differently because Japan, when it invades China, it doesn't invade one huge country no. instead. It would invade one small country at a time. It's much easier to pacify a small country yeah. than a larger country. So maybe
2: Japan in World War II happens differently. Well, yeah, because all of a sudden the European powers are interested in the Pacific, whereas they would not have been. Pretty much, they're too busy in Europe. Right. Uh, you're talking about, you know, uh, Hitler always wanted a two front war, even though, and he got one for the wrong reasons. Uh, but that's kind of what we're talking about here. You would add an, an additional front there.
1: Uh, really, you could call it? A, well, I mean, front. there was an additional front there, but it was mostly uh, it was the it Americans. Was sea. Yeah, it was it was, sea, a, it it was
2: a, America versus Japan in the Pacific. Uh, and
1: the Brits were, you know, a the, footnote, because most of their navy was not in the Pacific. Correct. Yeah. And what was got destroyed. A good yeah, deal they got pushed out of Singapore, really,
0: you know, yeah. that pushes them all the way back, essentially. Uh, to Australia. To, to, well, to India. India. Well, uh, so, yeah, uh, I'm land, yes. Yeah, yeah. you know, uh, uh, the loss of Singapore then makes Thailand basically undefensible, and it really... Allows the Japanese to push the Brits all the way to the border of India.
1: Right, and you know, uh, as far as at the sea, at sea, you know, the Japanese push everybody to Australia and back to Pearl. Yeah, uh, and of course, as we know, not taking Pearl was probably their big mistake. But that could have gone either way too. <laughs> That's a whole nother set <laughs> of whole other uh, thing. Yeah, but
0: yeah, I mean, you guys are absolutely right. This it's a huge continuation. of This idea, of the Monroe Doctrine of look. All you old-school Europeans got to get out of this hemisphere. And a continuation of this American idea of we're actually going to be troubled by colonialism. We're actually going to be troubled by imperialism. which is it's so going ironic. to be a debate in our country and in our right. political forces. Uh, McKinley and uh, Roosevelt and Hay and all these guys are going to have to walk that tightrope and try to figure out
1: what do we do now? Uh,
0: and yeah, and try we're, we're
2: different than them. Well, yeah.
0: sort
1: of, but we're different how we go about it because I find it so ironic when you think about it because it's almost like we don't, when we look in the mirror, we don't realize that we're looking at, or when we look at the Europeans, we don't realize we're also looking in the mirror because manifest destiny. Mm-hmm. Is imperialism? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you know, I was wondering I mean, if we were going to go
2: there because that's we talked about this that the 1900, the 1800s, the first half of the 1800s, pre-Civil War is all sure. about manifest destiny. That's right. And there's your, you know, we're willing to be imperialist, but only within this small sphere. Well, uh, it's a pretty big sphere. It's a pretty big sphere, <laughs> uh, relative to the rest of the world, though. We won't, we will not export our imperialism, but we'll sure as hell do it at home. Right, because well, we
1: defined home. Once we defined Manifest Destiny, and I forget who came up with the term, but I want to say it was, was one of the newspapers it was, pre- it
2: was preeminent during the War of 1812. Yeah. It's it been around that long.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's Polk
0: and
2: all those guys and Right, right. yeah. Between
1: the War of 1812 and Civil War is when it really takes off. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, it's one of those things that we don't always recognize the things in ourselves
2: that we despise (laughs) in others. I'm glad you mentioned that because there's your eternal question for you is that, you know, that's not a very, uh, I don't want us to think that we Americans were so enlightened as to compare to the rest of the world. In some ways we were. I mean, it it is a struggle,
0: but we came out. I I think we tried harder than anybody else to come out on the other end a little bit better and with a little bit more respect for other people in other parts of the world, thanks
1: to guys
2: like Hay, yeah.
0: visionaries like yeah,
1: him. Yeah, overall, you know, and I've said this before, and I think it's always important to, to reiterate, especially when we talk about the history episodes involving us. The United States is still a huge experiment in many ways. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and our progress in all areas has always been two steps forward, one step back. Always. Yeah. The progress of freeing the slaves involved the step back of the
2: aftermath of Reconstruction. And the racism that still pervades. Right. Yeah.
1: You know, but all of that slowly gets better over time. Yeah. And
2: we eventually passed the Civil Rights Act. And eventually we you know, hundred years almost to the day. Yeah. yeah. I mean
1: we're almost the only place that even tries, and maybe yes. that's
2: your kind of—that's kind of your point, yeah, isn't it?
1: it? It's right. It's along with the Brits. I mean, obviously, uh, they were huge in, in uh, ending the slave trade. Ending the slave trade.
0: So yeah, they had their
2: moments too. Yeah,
1: I think it's
0: the idea that folks, you watch a Western, and or you watch some other movie about America that's made now, you're going to see a perspective that's. America's horrible. Okay, that's art. You're entitled to, the, to make that kind of art. But look a little deeper. Yes, there's conflict. Yes, there's not perfection. There's sins. There, I mean, there are sins. Sure. We are human. And it, I always say this, we talk about this in Code of Honor episodes, humans are fallen creatures. That's right. If we were perfect, then we'd be angels. We wouldn't be humans. But some people do try hard. And I think Hay, McKinley, and even to a
1: degree Roosevelt tried really hard. Roosevelt was the first environmentalist.
2: Absolutely. I mean, yeah, yeah. he was the first person that saw that saw a need and yeah. actually had the guts and the will and the power to make a difference.
0: You know, he, he invited... Prominent blacks to the White House. Booker T. Oh,
2: Washington. And yeah, got a million tons of grief from it.
0: And told everybody to basically kiss his incredibly wide American ass about it. <laughs> um That's a very way
2: of but it. But at so. the
0: same time, then he became Im- embroiled in the uh, Brownsville, Texas thing and expelled an entire regiment, I think uh, it was, yeah. uh, the, of the Buffalo Soldiers out of the Army, uh, pretty unjustly. So everybody's got their things. But I think that these great figures in American history at least tried. They tried to live up to what the promise of America could be. They recognized
2: they weren't perfect and tried to change those parts that weren't.
0: And tried to to use this new emergent American power for good, for a counterbalance to the rapacious ways of the old world.
1: And that's not to say it was even tried to be used exclusively that way, because obviously... It wasn't. Yeah, I mean,
0: you can't everybody do it? Right.
1: But, you know, the intentions of not, and I hate to put it this way because it it makes it sound like I'm trying to to make excuses, but it it seemed to be more about trying to do the least amount of harm with doing the most amount of good not just for us, but for others. Yeah. Because nobody anywhere acts on the international stage without acting in their own interests in yeah. some way. Well, and altruism they've...
2: can be good business if you do it right, and well, I think yes. that's kind of what they're talking about here, yeah. uh, that there's uh, being moral and uh, being self-interested uh, are not mutually exclusive.
1: They're not, although fact, they're often, often they are.
2: Yeah, well, that's correct, yeah. and hence, you know, because Europe, now maybe we're painting with a broad brush here, but... Europe had no qualms whatsoever about exploiting the world for whatever it could exploit. Yeah, uh, and I'm, yeah. when I say Europe, I'm speaking, essentially, Britain, France, and Germany. Well, Spain? But it's, but it's Spain, not limited Spain, to them. That, that's correct, not at all.
0: Uh, one of one of Hay's buddies, or, or somebody that he had a passing acquaintance with, uh, Leopold of Br- uh, Belgium.
2: Yes, the Belgians, oh, yes. Dude, the Belgians were notorious. Uh,
0: Leopold wanted the Congo not just as a Belgian possession, but basically as his own private plantation. Yeah. Uh, and and sent people to Africa basically with the idea of shoot everybody that don't look like you. I'm taking this over. I mean, these one of history's kind of unknown scumbags.
2: He, he is, and, our, and part of the the nuance of this is the fact that he was the uncle of Albert, who married Victoria. Mm-hmm. So uh, there he. He kind of had the Brits in his back pocket, or tried to, because he's related. And then here you get into a lot of that stuff going on. If you want to see him portrayed on screen, uh, they the TV series, the British TV series Victoria, Mm -hmm. with Jenna Coleman, uh, does a fantastic job of laying him out uh, everywhere as kind of the scumbag that he was. He was actually so it's portrayed here, and this was the rumor. He's actually the uh, illegitimate father of Prince Albert himself. Oh. uh by because he had sex with Albert's mother who was married yes, to I've his brother. Yes, I've heard that's how to that happened. Bro- <laughs> Stay with me, I will be faithful. <laughs> All right. Uh, had, had, he was his brother's wife. So, uh it But it, uh, that's one of the
0: guys that Hay basically is trying to finesse is correct, this guy that's he has basically enormous wants, power. He wants Africa for his own backyard um as a personal possession, and Hay's trying to in a diplomatic way smooth that through and say,
2: we it's don't not want to do idea. that. Yeah, we right. don't want to do
0: that. And, and he was effective. Um, and again, was very respected throughout Europe and used that respect to make the world a somewhat better place as much as he could.
1: Yeah. I wonder what his effect would have been if he had lived another 20 or 30 years. Again, by that, that point, he was tough.
0: getting old. That would have been tough. Um, he dies in his 60s he's kind of wore out with Roosevelt and and Roosevelt, Roosevelt would wear out anybody Roosevelt respected him yeah, well, yeah, but, Roosevelt was much younger too but later came Roosevelt came to like ah oh, I've gotta undo all of this stuff this old man does kind of thing you know again they are you're right they're they're generationally different That's they're right. 20 years apart so Roosevelt wasn't too sad when when Hay went off the stage, but after Roosevelt, Taft probably would have brought him back in in some capacity. I mean, if he had been healthy enough, I mean, Taft could have even tapped him as vice president, maybe.
1: Right. Possible. Right. Possible. Uh, yes, it's amazing he didn't hold higher office.
0: Yeah. Well, he was. He again, he he liked being out a little bit and and. There is this conflict within the party of the stalwart versus the reformers. So he's in and out of favor. Um, And again, he is wealthy, so he does raise a ton of money. Uh, But he's not really a speech maker. Uh, So he is more
1: of a behind-the-scenes guy. The reason I, I mentioned that, what if he had lived longer, is a man like him with his view, with his ability to influence, was sorely missing from the world stage prior to World War One.
2: I. I was yeah. wondering if you were gonna go there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. Right. he could have been very influential at World War One. Yeah. Um he would have been willing to break out of the old forms, I think. And would have been charming enough and respected enough
2: that they would have listened and went along.
1: Now, as we've said well, before, it's hard to imagine World War One was nearly inevitable. Yeah, 1914.
2: So, I can't imagine that summer having gone differently, even if he were there. But it might have. But, but I would imagine
1: the spark still would have happened. I think the assassination and the, the that yeah, the unrest, but that was a maybe. That was Thanos. It was inevitable. Yeah, maybe
0: he puts it off a year. Maybe they have to wait for another spark. Maybe yeah. Which well, this
2: because this was not the only time that you know stuff has happened that it just this is the one we remember because it actually led to it. <laughs> yeah. But there yeah. were other sparks that could. Oh that, yeah. That there, didn't there, take. There, didn't there would take have been fire. another one. There that. would have been another
1: thing. Yeah. Because yeah. you got to remember, you know, Europe, they were constantly at war. You know, from the end of World War II to now is one of the longest periods of peace on the yeah. continent ever. Yeah. Ever. And you are talking that if he
0: does remain involved and active he's probably out of government at that time because it was still a bit Wilson. Right. Yeah. Wilson so, would have had
2: nothing to do with him. I don't think Yeah, he's so too Republican.
0: He, he might've been part of a Taft, but then by the time you get there again, he's in his seventies. Mm-hmm. So well, he's, he's probably, probably done by then. He's ready to head off to New Hampshire and hang out. That's where they had a, I think a retirement home yeah. was in New Hampshire. So guys that really went really well. I, that's exactly where I wanted to take that. And, uh, listeners, be willing to rethink the second half of the 19th century and American power. And if you are, I highly recommend John Taliaferro's "All the Great Prizes" and Robert W. Mary's "President McKinley." And again, along with anything you can read about Theodore Roosevelt, oh, yeah. it's almost all good. Yeah. So,
2: Francis, buddy, what's next? Code of Honor. Next time, we're going to uh, dive back into those quotations. You know. The readers, I mean, the readers, the listeners, uh, always comment more on those episodes than anything else we do. Uh, something about those quotations that we give resonates it's with. It's kind people. of our number one downloaded episode. Absolutely, it's uh, we hear back over that Honestly, all the time. It's the one I enjoy the most. Yeah, well, you're the <laughs> hammer. Of course, it's you're going to love that <laughs> one. Well,
1: to me, it, Code of Honor plays in my wheelhouse. It It just does. Yeah. The
2: quotations that we give, and, you know, there's no limit on where we'll go on this. We try our very best to be. Uh, always fresh, always different. Uh, sometimes we'll go thematic. Uh, we did the Nietzsche thing. That well, was I think gonna... that's the only time we've really gone thematic intentional. Well, we—I've uh, got some more planned that we'll do that in 2021, where we'll do a few like that because I, I kind of like know. that. Yeah, I may be the contrarian then and, and not do what. <laughs> I love it. That's right. Well, you've got the schedule. Come on, mm-hmm. you haven't read it yet, have you? No, uh, it's, it's there's a schedule. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, the pain, gentlemen. The pain. Yeah, I mean, listeners...
0: Robert's uh, Robert's doing this on a wing most of the time, and I, he's also awesome at it.
1: I freely admit it. I, I prep very little, but to be fair, for me lately, I have not had the time.
2: It's okay. So it's all right, we, uh, we I know it's. Uh, I have prepped in for some shows. Well, some we some know. Some shows we, I have not needed to prep. That's right. Many of them we don't. Many, And if we know we do, sometimes we do, but we, pres- we presume that the captain at least has enough knowledge yes. to carry us through. And that's yeah. why we rotate it, because each one of us gets the opportunity. But listeners, we'd love to hear your ideas of what you'd like to hear us do more of, of course. And you can catch us on our website, uh, you know, snakesnodders.com. But next time, uh, we got three new quotations. Who knows where we're going to go? It's going to be great.
0: Hope you enjoyed another pointless discussion of eternal questions. Remember, new episodes published every Friday at noon Eastern.
1: Spread the word. We're on all the major podcast platforms. And leave us a comment or review
2: because that helps others find us. We're on Instagram, Twitter, as well as our website, snakesandotters.com. I'm Martin. And I'm Robert. And I'm Francis. Join us next week. Same snake time, same otter channel.